All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. Joining me for this one, a special guest, one of the best in the business. She's a host of NBA Today, also doing some sideline reporting, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks during the playoffs, Miss Malika Andrews. Malika, how you doing? I'm doing well, Jess. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No worries. All right, let's jump right into this. Sixers heat going into game six. Although this one looks like it's been close if you just looked at the fact that Miami's up three to two. The average margin of victory has been 18 points just over that so far through the first five. Miami put a whooping on Philly in game five, 120 to 85. When you watched that game yesterday, what were your thoughts in terms of how Miami was able to not only stymie Joel Embiid, but not give anybody anything else? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I think watching that game, I was actually I have a you know I have a group text with the the folks on NBA Today, and we were all just like, "Well, like this isn't necessarily <laughs> how we thought this was going to go," because it seemed like Philadelphia, particularly with Joel Embiid back, you know, getting James Harden back to that sort of um, more potent score that we've seen him be over the course of his career in game four, it's sort of the, the, the school of thought was, well, there should be kind of no reason that they can't carry into Miami. And it's not about winning. It's about being beaten that badly in such a pivotal game five. We know that the winner of game fives, you know, especially when it's top seed, they want to win 80 something. I need my in stats information people here, but they, they win the majority yeah. of the time. And so to come out, 83%. There you go. So, so to come out with that sort of lack of effort, that sort of lackadaisical kind of um, outlook was a little bit surprising. Obviously, we saw Joel Embiid get hit in the face with the ball um, that early on, and he just kind of didn't play the same afterwards. He's such a warrior. It's been so impressive to see him continue to sort of battle through ligament injuries, through concussions, through orbital fractures. Um but they just had no gas, no juice. And I, I think I was a little bit surprised to see it them, them roll over so easily. Yeah, Malika, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned that because coming in, you know, after game four, we saw Harden drop 31. Everybody's like, okay, you know what? They're starting to figure it out. But mm. for, for somebody like me, I've watched literally every Sixers game throughout the season and playoffs. It's not surprising to see this team go up and down. So I want to go back to the February trade deadline when they made the Ben Simmons for James Harden deal, obviously lost two key pieces in Andre Drummond and Seth Curry. I think they're yep. feeling Seth's, Seth's absence, absence right now. But looking yeah. at this from, from your from your perspective, and obviously being so plugged in with the league and, and, and working for ESPN, when you look at this Sixers squad, did you feel like at any point they were a championship contender up there with Milwaukee, Boston, Miami throughout the season? Or like where did you feel they, they fit into the Eastern Conference pecking order? Yeah, I think so. I think when they made the trade for James Harden, it, it was about getting J both James. They were they were already playing without Ben Simmons, right? And so it was about getting a compliment to Joel Embiid that could be a factor because Ben Simmons was not only a non-factor on the floor, but potentially uh, a little bit 
of a challenge off of the court, a distraction, if you will, for that group. And so when they made that trade, based on the way it wasn't so much the addition of James Harden, although that was that was certainly part of it, the thought was kind of, well, that that's a good thing for both teams, right? Ben Simmons wanted out of Philadelphia. That's been well documented. He didn't feel that he could work through some of the mental hurdles he had while he was still on that roster. The uh, Nets are in need of a capable defender. Um, and the 76ers, there were fit questions even before, even before Ben Simmons, um, you know, missed that, didn't even attempt that shot against the Atlanta Hawks. There were, there were sort of these questions about fit. Does, does him and Joel, both potent players, do they really complement each other best? And so adding a James Harden type player to the what I believe was an MVP season that Joel Embiid was having, um, I thought, yes, you know, Boston sort of became this juggernaut after January 1st. The Milwaukee Bucks have always just been absolutely solid. Um, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, I think, because of their star power, were seen, especially through uh, those who set the betting lines' eyes as favorites. But the way that Joel Embiid was playing, you have to sort of allow for that not be stuck in one narrative or another. You have to allow for things to change. And so the way that Joel was playing kind of independent of James Harden, the way that he was able to play without Ben Simmons led me to believe that this was a for real year for the Philadelphia 76ers. And, you know, there's, there's a, I I don't want to take anything away from the Miami heat. They've been the best defense in the NBA. That defense is on full display. Um, but it seems like just another dose of bad luck for the 76ers with all of these injuries for Joel Embiid. Yeah, and he's been a warrior throughout, you know, dealing with the orbital injury, dealing with the minor concussion, although obviously has been cleared to play after that. Yeah. And the right, the right, uh, the thumb being the torn ligament in there. And, and and looking at this from, like you mentioned, I mean, Sixers fans are used to it. They rolled their eyes. Everybody was happy when when they eliminated the Raptors in game six. They made the trade for A.J. Brown in the, in the NFL. The Eagles did that night. And then Friday, obviously, we got this news coming down the pipeline that Friday that Joel was dealing with these injuries on top uh, of the, the thing. So, yeah. Stuff. So, yeah, yep. so everybody was everybody was feeling it, but going back to going back to Joe, he had he had an off night, you know, didn't didn't look like his usual dominant self. I think part of that should definitely be attributed to Miami's defense. And we saw the Heat implement this kind of full court. It's not like a, a traditional that like you'd see in college and high school in terms of a yeah. court press, but it's just like, okay, let's slow down the offense a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, make James work a little bit when he's bringing the ball up the court. And then the Sixers aren't trying to get into their, they aren't getting into their set until there's 12, 13, 14 left in the shot clock. From your perspective, well, yeah. what, what do you think they could do differently in, in game six to try and counter Miami's, as you mentioned, great defense, one of the best in the league? Well, it did seem at times, and you know, I I had a wonderful experience covering James Harden in in, in Brooklyn. I I think that he is a very talented player who the talent that he has and the needs that they that the Sixers have is shifting. So the expectation of James shouldn't be what he was for the Houston Rockets, which was the all-inclusive scorer because the, the, the Philadelphia 76ers don't need that. They need that when Joel Embiid is out. So it's it's concerning when he can't reach into his bag and get that when you do need it and kind of be that jack-of-all-trades. But when I'm looking last night, I think that James Harden was just hunting his shot, trying, seeking, um, 
seeking the, the, the game for James Harden and, and calling his own number at, at certain times instead of I'm watching how hard Joel Embiid is working to get that positioning in the paint. And, and at times it was like, why isn't he being the target here over and over and over again, as opposed to, I get it. You want to put up a couple of shots early, see if you can fall into that same rhythm potentially that you did uh, in the previous game. But when that doesn't happen, it's, it's that, that adjustment it's, it's getting to Joel in the paint. And, you know, I mean, that, that's where the 76ers live. That that's that's Joel is so talented. Letting him be that 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 focus that that dictator, I think, is what the 76ers potentially need to get back to a little bit. But you know, I, I can't drop a game plan better than Doc. I'm not going to purport to be able to do that. Well, I got to be honest with you, Malika. Some Sixers fans do think that they could do a better game I, plan. Than six, I, I've heard it. I've heard it. We've had folks from Philly on our show, and I've I've. I, I, I've heard it. I, I've, I've, I have heard that, but I'm one of those who still believes, you know, despite that, that margin in game five being one of the largest in Doc Rivers tenure, uh, in the playoffs, I, I still think that, you know, it's, it's, he is a great, Eric Spolster is the great, you know? Yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm with you on that. I think that what Spo has done, you know, since he took over back, during the uh, LeBron, D Wade, Chris Bosh era has, has been unprecedented. He's, he's just a great coach, guided the franchise. I mean, already a top 10 coach in NBA history, and that's yeah. remarkable. Yeah, and, and you're, seeing, uh, you're seeing a bit of the difference with that. And again, I'm not going to put all the blame on Doc for the losses in this series because you look at the lack of, and this could go on Daryl Morey too, is that the roster construction where, okay, Paul Reed has done an admirable job, but losing Andre Drummond and not having a backup plan. I think that hurt the Sixers and non Embiid minutes, as you well know, have been a huge right. problem for, for Philly throughout. But looking forward to game six here, when things are going to be back at the Wells Fargo Center, they're going to have the home crowd and George Niang has been two of 17 in the losses, been a lot better at home um, shooting the ball. And he, he was really the most consistent scorer off the bench for the Sixers. What do you The think? minivan. Yeah, the minivan. I mean, but he's looking like the broken down minivan in Miami. I don't know <laughs> what he's been doing at nighttime there. But when you look at when you look at what the Sixers need to do to force this thing to go seven, what do you think the biggest key is outside of making sure Joel Embiid, as you mentioned, is going in terms of getting the ball deep down in, in position and sealing his guys in front of the rim? I mean, they're going to need just a little more from, I, I can't say James Harden needs to be the James Harden that we saw in, in game four, but they're going to need a little bit more from him and a little bit more from, from, from those, those, th those roles players, as you mentioned, I mean, Tyrese Maxey, can we, mm -hmm. can we just pause for a hot sec? Tyrese Maxey has been phenomenal. I mean, he is a budding star, um, and to watch what he's been able to do has has been pretty exceptional. I know he had, you know, one half where he didn't score at all, but then he exploded at the right point in time. So having one of those performances from Tyrese, having James Harden be able to give you not 30, but if he can give you 17 and, you know, 10 assists, 11 assists, 12 assists, right? Because he's been kind of the assist king in this new role. You know, that's sort of, and coming out with just a different, it's going to be evident from the get-go because it was so clear just from the jump in game five that the 76ers just weren't there. They weren't going to be imposing their will. Will they impose their will from the jump or is this going to be reactionary? They can't afford to be reactionary.
right? Yeah, yeah, and then we've seen that too. How they came out in games three and four at home were completely different than what we've seen in Miami. Yep. And I'm with you. And and you know, Harden still third in the league in assists overall in the playoffs. So it's not like he's been this you know albatross not no. doing anything scoring wise. It's I think just about the scoring. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. you mentioned that too. It's like, just the scoring. Can't expect him to be the and the ability to draw fouls. Third. You know, that's changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not, the the amount of times he no, he doesn't have that. You know that quickness. No, and, and and that's been sorry. That's been that's been apparent for for I think a couple of right. seasons now. We we saw that. I don't know how much the hamstring is playing into that, but again, not the Harden he was from the Houston days. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. Maxi. One adjustment I feel like Doc should make is forget Har- getting Harden bringing up the ball. Just give it to Maxi so he can blow by Gabe Vincent or Max Struess, whoever you're putting on him, yeah. and just let him just get up the court. Then give it to James at the top of the key. That might buy you four or five more seconds. Uh, Want to ask you this? What's your prediction for Game Six between the Sixers and Heat? Oh. I, I think it's going seven. I think the series is going seven. I'm with you on that. Okay, so we're looking forward to that one. That one is on uh, ESPN but as well. it's not a series until someone wins on the road, right? That's what that's what they say. That's the old cliche, but we'll see. I mean, maybe we're going to have that. <laughs> maybe, well, who knows? Does it not count as a series then, Malika? If nobody, if Miami wins. If no one home? wins on the road. <laughs> I think seven. If it, if it goes seven, it, it, that's, 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 a, that's a series with a capital S. Okay. <laughs> I'll roll with you on that. Uh, we're recording this. Uh, for those of you who are tuning in, and we're recording this actually just about an hour and a half before tip-off between the Celtics and Bucks, huge game five there. That's been a great series as well. You mentioned just before we started rolling here, Robert Williams, Ime Oduka saying uh, he's out still dealing with left knee soreness, that same knee that he had the surgery on for the meniscus issue late in the season. Mm. That has been high level basketball to me, watching those two teams go at it. How do you think that's that series is going to shake out between the, the Bucks and, and Celtics here in a best of three? Yeah, I I've been lucky enough to, I was on the sidelines uh, for, geez, time blurs together. I was on the sidelines for game f- three. <laughs> okay. uh, I was going to say, uh, it was a, a game three of that series. I was on the sidelines for game three um, when, uh, you know, the Celtics had, they played pretty, frankly, terribly, one of the the worst games that that Jason Tatum has had in his postseason career, which people forget that, you know, even though Jason Tatum is young, like he's had experience in the playoffs. He's had deep playoff runs. They've been to the conference. Like this, this is a team. Yes, they have Al Horford, but th- this is an experienced group. Um, and watching that game where the Celtics had entirely, I mean, Marcus Smart just nailed that missed free throw, got it back perfectly. They had multiple opportunities to get the tip in. Eventually they got it just after the horn. So it didn't count in the bucks one. Um, and watching that game to me, it was so clear how much the bucks miss Chris Middleton. Um, particularly I at first thought in the non Giannis minutes, um, but just to lighten the load a bit for Giannis. Um, I said this on NBA today uh, earlier, but you know, to me, the questions are the, the Celtics are such a complete basketball team, but save for game two, Jason and Jalen haven't really shown up for more than 20 points each. Um, they haven't both been on in that way, except for game two. And they won that game by more than 20 points. And Grant Williams had 21 in that game, but really it was set by, by Jalen Brown's first quarter, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I saw there. 
the Bucks need to decide who's the secondary scorer. Bobby Portis was excellent in that first round series against Chicago. He's tapered off a little bit now. You know, Grayson Allen has shown flashes, but not really in Boston um, as much. Um, you know, he, they inserted him into the starting lineup, trying to probably kickstart uh, some of that scoring. Um, some of that three-point shooting, but is it going to be Drew Holiday who can can step up and and give you a little bit more chip in because Chris Middleton's a twenty-point per game score, and then Giannis closing. I mean, he was he was tired, and heck, I can't I can't purport to know what it's like to play uh, for forty-eight minutes in a basketball game at the Giannis. I mean, what to- a top-notch player, but he works so hard when he's on the floor, and so. You know, to me, if the Celtics can figure out how to get those two guys going, given how close the the margin of victory was for them in game three, this could have very easily that tip in could have gone and we could be talking about three one Celtics. So um, this is another series. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm opening my sling app and watching game seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I, I'm with you on that. I, I think that series uh, right when we knew who the top four were going to be in the East. I'm like, that second round is going to be a bloodbath. So I'm with you. I'm oh, expecting, gosh, I'm expecting yeah. both 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 to go seven there. Uh, shifting over to the Western Conference, obviously, John Morant's knee injury has yeah. put a damper on I what I thought, again, was going to be a great series. And I think the NBA has been fantastic this year because it's the first time since like I remember growing up in the 90s that you kind of knew who was going to be you know those final four or five you know four teams in each conference like in the two and two and then even throughout the Warriors hey Dave through 2015 you're like all right they're going to be there they're just that talented but I feel like this was the first season where I had no clue out of eight to ten teams that were like I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the final so looking at the at the Western Conference um, the Dubs playing the Grizzlies, as I mentioned, recording this uh, before on a Wednesday. So that game is going to be happening later on tonight. But looking at that series, do the Grizzlies, do you think, have any chance at coming back and beating, beating the Warriors three straight in this one? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, and I, I, I don't to say, expect anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hate to say I hate to say it that way because I've I you know, look, I, I have we we rock with the, you know, as big perk likes to call it, we, we rock with the dark side. Like I, I, I think that they are exceptional. Frankly, I think the league needs more of whatever's getting bottled up in Memphis because it is so much fun on off the court. This is what grows the NBA fun personality, excellent basketball, fun basketball, flashy basketball, a little bit of trash talk, a little bit of swagger. That's what the NBA is about at its best, I believe. And so there is no no bigger fan of what Coach Taylor Jenkins, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks, what the Memphis Grizzlies are, are cooking up. I think that they're excellent. I think that Desmond Bain, frankly, um, I, I, I'm not sure we can we can talk about whether or not Morant should be able to qualify for most improved. Desmond Bain to me was 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 right up there as, as should have been considered one of the most improved um, in the NBA season. I think all of that's great. Um, I also have seen teams that are that are are burgeoning great teams have to go through the fire before they get to light their own. Um, I watched them, the, the Milwaukee Bucks get eliminated by the Toronto Raptors who then went on to win a title in 2018 and the Bucks lost to uh, they lose to the Celtics in the bubble the next year in five and then they came back and they won. Um, Giannis got hurt in that Celtics series. So 
I, I just see with, with all that love, I say this with love. If you're asking me as a person who watches the game of basketball, who analyzes the game of basketball, um, who tries to learn as much as I can from the players I'm on set with every day because I am not an NBA player. Um, no, <laughs> I, I, you know, the, the Warriors, they, they know what it takes. I'm not saying the Grizzlies can't get a game five. In fact, there's a feeling that I have that, you know, when your star goes down, when you're back at home, when, I mean, that FedEx form is going to be rocking. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see this game, this series head back to Golden State. That being said, I do think Golden State just has too many weapons, too much experience. Um, and if they stop playing around, um, cause they're another team, like we really haven't seen clay and Steph, uh, fully get it on, um, except for one game and that game was a blowout. So, you know, I just think that yeah, the gosh, I have all the love to Memphis, but the Warriors have a little too much. Yeah, and, and and as you mentioned, I, I said this before the playoffs too, old teams win in the NBA, and, and you look at the Grizzlies and how much young talent they have and how stacked they are. You mentioned Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain is that dude at the YMCA who is killing you at every point, but you can't talk anything back to him because you know he'll rip your head off. So I, right. I would not want to be on the court against uh, Desmond Bain. I don't want to spend too much time talking about the Phoenix series. I think the Suns are, are a better team. I love what Luka Doncic does. I think the Mavs are another team that if they can get one or two more pieces that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for years to come. But I'll, I'll put that question out to you as well. Does Dallas have any chance to beat Phoenix two games in a row at this point, in your opinion? It's not as much of a hard no, uh, but I expect Phoenix to come on out on top. You know, yeah. uh, Chris Paul hasn't played this way in consecutive games in the, his career at games that matter so much. Uh, you know, it, that, that's the window, but because it lies, I think it's more about the Suns doing, making mistakes than the um, Mavs having the weapons. And so because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, the Suns have it within them to kind of clean that up and get rolling that it, it, to me, I would be surprised to see the Mavericks advance. All right, Malika, I want to jump into some questions, not only about the media industry, but also about your career. Let's do that after a short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Malika, I want to shift some focus now to not only your career and just the the NBA media landscape in general. You've, you've partnered with Sling. Uh, you kind of come up in this world where digital media and, and, you know, you went back to school. I believe you graduated in 2017 from uh, University of yep. Portland and, and, and looking back at how things have shifted. And, and we mentioned, you know what, you might watch the games on your sling app and, and, and doing that. When you look <laughs> at how, how the media landscape has shifted from being the traditional cable, you have your ESPNs, you have your, your Fox sports, your, you know, TNT obviously uh, does a great job with their, with the inside, the NBA crew there. And now shifting over to a lot of digital, the, the NBA's partnered with Amazon. You, you mentioned sling. We have, you have all these different um, options right now. How do you think that has changed for you kind of learning how to adapt uh, on the fly? Cause like I said, you were coming up at a time where everything was shifting from 
traditional cable to yeah yeah you know i think for me because it's also for you know for me it's a little bit different because it's been a shift for from growing up in the bay area and really being focused in on what the warriors are doing night in and night out for for my for my parents that was you know nbc sports bay area and that's where we're watching it now I'm tasked with knowing what's going on around the NBA when in the regular season, that can mean like seven games in a night, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're going to see me on my couch with my sling app up watching one game with another game on my computer with sling downloaded to my TV watching through my, so I'm watching three games at one time. Right. And so I think that for me, it's, it's the necessity of it too, is I, I think NBA fans nowadays, there's fans of teams, but there's also fans of players. And so the beautiful thing is kind of being able to tap into what's going on with, with multiple teams, multiple players, seeing, Oftentimes I'm right now I'm, I'm traveling. And so where I watch a lot of games is, is from my phone because I'm walking through the airport and I open up my sling app and that's when I'm watching. That's when I'm watching a lot of games is when I'm sitting in the Delta lounge, when I'm in the car going from an arena back to Los Angeles to host NBA today. Um, and so I think that it's just, it's that constantness, if you will, if we're going to make that a word. And then I think it's also Twitter, right? I think that Twitter uh, says something about a John Morant dunk and I'm not in front of my television with it recording like my mother who, you know, is 60 diligently does. I'm like, oh my gosh, that game's on. Let me just open up Sling real quick and where is it? Find it, boom, like turn it on. And then I get to see the replay. It's it's that driving games and games drive. There's this constant kind of conversation in different ways to be able to watch now that I just think we we didn't have, uh, you know, back in 1999 and 2005 and 2010. Yeah, those were the, the those were the days that if you missed the game, you missed the game. You're not looking at anything on yeah, social you media. Missed. You know, yeah, until you watch Sports Center. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And if you're listening to this podcast, go to sling.com. They have a, a half off for the first month. Also, you get streaming experiences, NBA TV, you get your your regular cable outlets, and they got a DraftKings NBA channel as well. Uh, Malika, looking at your personal journey, like I mentioned, you, you've just finished school not too long ago. It was, it was five years ago, and, and you've come up, you worked at the Chicago Tribune, you worked for ESPN there as well, covering uh, the Bulls, the Bucks, doing that. And then now you've shifted into this uh, obviously being one of the stars of, of NBA today and and really just a star at the network itself. When you look at how far you've come over the past five years, what's the journey been like for you? Bro, it's been wild. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been, it's been kind of nuts. Like some days I like, um, I look around. I, I had this moment the other day, actually, I walked into the studio, I forgot something. Um, and I walked into the studio to look for it and all the lights were off. And NBA Today is really the only show that that comes out of our studio in um, L.A. And all the lights are off and none of the, you know, big panels of lights and it, it, of, of, of graphics or any of the things are on. And the ceiling has like hundreds of different types of lights on it. And it, it you know, costs more than my college tuition several times over and I'm you know kind of looking around and I was like this is wild that all of this this entire studio this entire space is for a show that that I help put on this is for us 
Like this is for us. And, um, it's, I mean, it's hard. It's kind of hard to, it's, it's hard to put into words. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's been so much fun and I feel so lucky to be trusted, um, by the network, by my colleagues, but it, it's also been hard because I know that, you know, our audience has certain expectations of us and certain judgments that they make and they expect a lot of us and they should, I take that as a challenge and a privilege, but being able to filter through it all and figure out, you know, what you take home with you, because I think is like, no one needs to point out that I made a mistake. I know it because I care so much. Like I don't blow past something or think like, you know, oh, I made a mistake or this or that. Like just show the next day. Like I sit and I stew and I dwell on it and it, it, it affects me. And so, you know, I think that it's just, it's, it's been a wild couple of years, couple of months. Um, but it's also been fun. It's been fun too. Well, I'm with you on the on the mistake thing because I know when I when I when I screw up, I swear at myself as soon as I'm done recording. So hopefully, I don't do that after after this podcast here with you. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's have some fun to wrap things up. All right, I'm not going to include the Bay Area in this because that's home, and I'm I'm personally I'm from Vancouver, Canada. I live in uh, downtown Los Angeles now. So as much as I love LA, uh, Vancouver will always be my favorite city in the world. But you've lived in Chicago, yeah, you've lived in New Bay York, is always yeah. You, you you've lived in LA. What what was your favorite out of those three cities to live in? New York, hands down. Okay. What did you like about it? About it. Now I hear you're from Canada. Um, <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I just, I loved New York. I, I, I love Los Angeles because of the work that I get to do because I'm closer to my family. You know, it's, it's been really like, I've, I've been lucky. I've never had to live in a place that I didn't, that, that wasn't a great city. Um, but I just, I grew up on Sex and the City and, and Friends and on Jay-Z. And um, for me, in some way, it was always an ideal. And so living there and pay, like being able to put down my first check towards a rent in New York City when I was working for the New York Times and I was 22 years old and fresh out of college, like that was such a proud feeling for me. It felt like it felt like I did something, even if it didn't mean anything to anybody else, but me, it, it felt like I, I had a corner of New York. And I think that for, for me in a city that's so vibrant and there's so much that happens there and people have so many opinions about, Oh, you live there. Like, yeah, I do. And it's almost a sense of pride in being able to, in, in being able to, in loving it. Um, I, I think that LA is, is, I, I like living in LA. I like the weather, but LA is like the background. New York's a main character. And I liked kind of being with the main character. That's a, that's a good analogy to the, the way to put it, because it's funny. I had never been to New York. I've been now a couple of times where I went out to training camp and I was actually there for, for game three between the Sixers and, and Raptors. I went up going from there to Philly, but I love New York too. I love the big city vibe and, and the people there. I, I enjoyed it. I don't know how much I'd like it coming from Canada, going back to being there in November and December, <laughs> but I, did, I definitely taste. did it. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I did enjoy it. Um, couple more questions for you. You're big into fashion and, and we see the NBA guys over the years have adapted and evolved into being kind of their own fashion icons and, and trendsetters. Who do you think are some of the best uh, dress players in the NBA? Like whose style do you appreciate when you, when you get to see them walking in for a game? 
Ooh. Hmm. Whose style do I appreciate? Well, I appreciate that James Harden always makes me raise, raise an eyebrow just ever so slightly. Like I just, I appreciate <laughs> that. I'm like, you know what? I didn't see that pink peacoat vest thing coming, but you know what? That is something. Um, style. I actually, I, I think that, um, yeah, like, because the, the, I, I kind of have an affinity for the people who wear things that I'm like, I could never in a million years pull that off. Like Tyler Hero, some of the things that he rocks. I just think that that is, that is, that is something else. But I'm a fan of like, I like the Andre Iguodala, the clean, the suit, the crisp, the stately. Like, I, I think that that's sort of just like subtle flex. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that. But my favorite item obviously was um, Pat Bev showing up in the Versace robe for NBA oh, yeah, Today. Yeah. I, that was like. That was legendary. I mean, I that cannot be topped. Legendary. Well, I, I grew up playing college hoops back home, and this was back in early, right in basically 2001, 2002. So I don't think you would have appreciated the oversized jeans wearing length 38 when I'm actually a 32. Uh, keep the yeah, earrings see, in that are happening. Look back at the 2000 and yeah, the 2003 draft class type deal. Like, <laughs> uh, come on now, come on hey, you know now. What? I'm much more into the tailored suits type of look. Well, I, you know, it took me. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was about eight years too late getting on with that fashion trend. But that's neither here nor there. Okay, final two okay. questions for you. <laughs> Um, one of your, who are some of your favorite NBA players to interact with and just to interview? Oh man, there, there's so many, there's so many, like the, that, the thing that's great about this league is the guys kind of, they, they make it go. Um, you know, John Morant has just, is just a wonderful person to get to know over the last couple of years. Um, we did that all access in Memphis and just had a great time. Like his, his, his personality sparkles. Um, Steph Curry is everything you believe him to be, um, you know, in all of our interactions, the way he is on the court, like that's, you know, Draymond Green. I so, I so appreciate Draymond. I appreciate, you know, he said the other day that he walks into every room as himself. And I think that, I definitely work to do that. I don't know if I achieve it all the time um, because I do think, you know, the, the, the expectations that are put on women and this, that, and the other, but like, I aspire to be that. And I think that I appreciate his authenticity um, so very much. Um, you know, I, I really have loved working with Joel Embiid and James Harden. They've been great to me in my career. Giannis is someone who, you know, I owe a great deal of my career to Giannis and, um, he's someone who I have so much admiration for the work that he has done. Talk about a complete change of, of, of body, uh, the work that he put in. Um, I want to, the, the work that those type the, the, the guys like that put in, it makes me want to work harder to display their game. Right. Like I, I want to work harder and be better because they've worked hard to be better for us. So we should in the way that we present their game to the world. And so, man, I mean, there's, there's literally too many. And then like, you know, Damian Lillard and I go way back. I went to college up in Oregon. I, I got to know him a little bit there. We're both from Oakland. You know, there's so many players in this league that I've really appreciated. You know, Eric Bledsoe was huge to me in my career in, in Milwaukee. Um, so that's like 18 different guys and definitely not Cheney, Perk, and RJ. Those, th those guys are the worst. <laughs> well, the that's, worst. That, that'll, tra that'll transition <laughs> to my final question for you. Let's just say you're going to play a game of twos. It's yourself, Perk, Richard Jefferson. We'll throw JJ Redick in there. So you got, those are your options. 
Who are you taking as your teammate out of those three guys? I can't take Shanae. Damn no, it. Not, yeah, yeah, we're um, not going to include her in this one. Because I, I would take Shanae. I would <laughs> yeah. take Shanae. You, you didn't include Shanae because you made it too easy because I would take her 10 times out of 10. <laughs> uh, perk. I'm taking Perk. All right, you're going to yeah, take the big man. I'm rocking there you with go. Perk. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm right, rocking well. with Perk. Malika, I do want to say this. It's it's been great seeing you on NBA today. You've, you've done a fantastic job since since taking over the role. So thanks for taking the time out, time out to uh, join me on this and love to have you on again in the future. I would love to do that. And now we have about what, an hour and some change until tip off. Uh, guess what I do when I'm driving? Watch it on Sling if you can. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I do use the audio on Sling because there you go. Okay. I can't drive and watch, but I use it like radio. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to get into any legal problems here, Malika. No, 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 no. Not any, but I put, I, I do plug it in. I appreciate you, my friend. We will do this again, and let's see if the Sixers can extend this. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. Like we mentioned, Game 6 on ESPN coming up on Thursday. That'll do it for this episode. As I mentioned off the top, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I'll be back in the postgame show with Jackson Frank on Thursday. And, of course, we'll have you covered with all things else Sixers, hopefully for a Game 7.